whether it's change management, whether it's communication, leadership, time management, any professional development course, I'm always going to be more effective if I'm fully present. Hi, you're listening to the Bring a Brick podcast with me, John Cooper. In this show, I interview people from all over the world who use improv and applied improvisation in their work. If you know improv, you're in the right place. If you're interested but you're not quite sure, I'll try and explain. Listening, responding and connecting, being present and the yes and, that's the basic building blocks of improv, as well as being really great tools for performance, these things can also be applied to anything, from business training, behavioural health, customer experience, agile development and loads more. And that's what I do in this podcast, chatting to guests from as broad a background as I can possibly find to make new connections. I'm a curious student, questioning, learning and going off at tangents to discover how people teach and benefit from the values of applying improvisation. This is the Bring a Brick podcast. My guest this show is Mary T. Curtis. Mary is a learning and development professional. She's trained at Second City and is a behavioural health expert and uses applied improvisation techniques to help people manage anxieties, addictions and generally improve their quality of life. Hello Mary, thanks for coming on the show. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming back on the show after the technical difficulty we had last time. You're one of the first people I interviewed. and uh, I'll just remember the, the, the blood draining from my face as I realised that after the conversation we've had that was really good, hadn't recorded. And I was just kind of like, no, but uh, all, all is well this time round. So thank you exactly. for coming back on. Yeah, absolutely. That introduction was accurate. For one population, I, I kind of work with two different populations. One is the population that struggles with addiction and eating disorders, yeah. anxiety, that kind of stuff. And then I also work with the corporate population and, you know, doing a lot of learning and development programs, yeah. executive coaching. Now, the interesting thing is, even though they're two different populations, there's a lot of mm-hmm. overlap. There's a lot of overlap in terms of what people it's, want. Yeah, well, you know, no matter what it is that I'm doing, whether it's a leadership course, whether it's uh, helping somebody design a recovery yeah. plan, it always starts with being present and in the moment. So that's where I do a lot of my work with helping individuals manage their mm-hmm. thoughts which then manage their emotions, which then manage their yeah, behaviors. Yeah, that's a... And that's what everybody has in common, you know, so there's a lot of overlap. So would you say there's a lot of kind of confidence building in what you do? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so you, you you work in these two different areas. Um, now, I'm, I'm listening to your accent, and, and you're in Florida, but that's not a Florida accent, is it? That's an Irish accent. That's the remainder of an Irish accent, yeah. I'm very Americanized okay. now. How did you come to be in Florida? <laughs> Truthfully, I won a green card in a lottery the American government okay. ran. And I started off in mm-hmm. Chicago, where I had no problem keeping my Irish accent because I was surrounded by a lot of Irish people, huge Irish population there. And after some time, I moved down to Florida just for a slower pace and just to, you know, get my own life back on track, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And I've been here ever since 
which is probably 12, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago now that I'm in Florida before that. It was okay, Chicago. when you were in Chicago, you, that's when you did your, your second city training? Yes, it was. I was working in corporate America. And, you know, in Ireland, I was always involved in mm-hmm. theatre, doing shows, doing musical reviews. I did a lot of choreography and performance, that kind of stuff. And when I moved to Chicago and I was very close to the second city and I'd never done improv and I thought, you know, I'm going to try this. Before that, I'd always done character roles where I had a mm-hmm. script and doing improv. Oh, that was a completely different experience for me. Oh, talk about anxiety provoking. That was, that was, uh, was interesting. So, so when you first did improv, it did uh, brought up some anxiety and issues with yourself. <laughs> It did, of course. Well, I shouldn't say of course. Some people don't have those issues. But here's here's the beautiful thing. It brought up the issue for me, all the self-talk, all the self-doubt, mm-hmm. all of the, I have to be funny, those people are funnier, yeah. not to mention they're all American, I'm yeah. Irish, I don't understand their culture, they don't understand me, all of those mm-hmm. things. And, of course, with that internal dialogue yeah. going on, there's no way you can be fully present, which obviously is number one yes. principle in yeah. in improv. Yeah. yeah, I was going to pick you up on that when you said self-talk, the voice inside your head, because that's a big thing. Um, I mm-hmm. think we all have that, and it's kind of like you know, it can. I mean, control that. Can we con- can we control that as a thing? Do we need to, do we need these techniques more readily available in our lives to be able to control that voice and and, and close it down? I mean, personal problems that I've had in the past. Um, I really had to use improv to learn how to not shut down that voice, but listen to it and find better questions to ask of it and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I'm, and I'm, I remember watching you in, in Oxford, uh, last year and you gave, uh, the, this short presentation where you talked about ACT, this ACT therapy that you do, um, which would very much kind of tied in. I, I was listening to you and I was going, yes. Yes, I get that. Oh my God, yes, I understand. I totally understand that. Um, can you just kind of tell us a bit more about the kind of approach to the therapy that you do when you're working with people? Absolutely. Well, the first thing is, uh, you said, you asked me, do you think you, we can control our thoughts? And the word I like to use is manage. I do believe that we can learn to manage our internal yes. voice. You know, we can't control the thoughts that come into our head because they come in so quickly. We can learn to yeah. manage them. To, you know, similar to what you've just been saying. And the ACT acronym that I use is accept, commit, take action. So what I first encourage everyone to do or anybody that I'm working with is to accept that they have this internal dialogue. We all do. Accept what it's saying because... Similar to improv, you know, we have a yes and approach, which allows us to move forward in an improv scene. So when we correlate that to the individual, I use the yes and, which is kind of the accept and commit Mm -hmm. piece of the acronym. So I'm accepting, I'm saying yes to this internal dialogue. It doesn't mean I'm agreeing with it, I'm just accepting it. And when I come from a place of acceptance of the internal dialogue, rather than fighting it, then I can let go of it yes. easier. Yes. So I accept that's my old voice and today I'm going to choose to focus on something different or 
I'm going to choose to edit that voice mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, just just the just the first stage of that, of which is totally valid. I mean, like, you know, we both do improv, and, the, and a lot of the audience will be kind of improv savvy people, and the yes and, but but something like acceptance in and of itself, depending on what the issue is. As you say, you work with people who are suffer from like you know addictions and things like that. The the, the acceptance mm-hmm. alone can be a massive thing to to have to listen to your own voice on those issues absolutely and i'll tell you that acceptance to me is the key and that's why i really do love the yes and because acceptance is saying Mm -hmm. yes i'm accepting this as it is i'm accepting exactly what i have in the here and now because that's all we have is the here and now so i'm going to accept it it's only from a place of acceptance that we can truly yes, move forward yes. like you know, the the past does not equal the future kind mm-hmm. of like just because this stuff has happened in the past it does not mean that life will continue like this things will change and that's i think when the yes and can come in on board and just be really helpful and positive um, how long do you when you when you work with people obviously you say you work with with the two different groups how long would you work with with a with a particular client is it like a long-term relationship you've had with them is it like a few weeks is it a few months does it vary it really varies and the thing about acceptance is it's a yeah. process so it's a wonderful thing to talk about it it's it's a completely different thing to practice acceptance on a daily basis and that's like strengthening the 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 muscle of acceptance, so to speak, you know, because we have to go through, depending on what it is that we're accepting or moving towards acceptance, we could be angry, we could be resentful, we could be fearful. We can go through a whole range of emotion before we get to acceptance. And depending on, so if I go into uh, a corporate client, for example, and I'm working with a team, I always, always talk about Mm -hmm. acceptance. And I'll, I'll do some improv techniques to plant some seeds for them. Now, if I do follow-up coaching, they always come right. back to that. I'm having a trouble accepting my boss. Or in change management, it's huge because it's not the change that causes a lot of people. It's it's transitioning through the different stages of the change and the emotions that come yeah. with that that really get people's emotions going. So there's a lot of talk about acceptance and how can we get to a place of acceptance quicker for organizations when when they're conversing about yeah, change. Yeah. Do, do you find that if you're kind of doing this in the corporate environment, the I mean, I'm not going to say that the, when you bring these issues up, and, and obviously it's, it's a work environment, but you're, you're pushing into emotional areas for people, you know, questions yes. like, it's kind of, I can't stand my boss. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's, well, well, you have to accept that that person is your boss. It's kind of... Right. You can can you can you potentially run up against brick walls there where people are like the the, the idea Absolutely. of it is just too much and there's no workaround yeah. for that. I mean, how do you deal with those well, situations? What, exactly. Well, you know, you and I both know that when we go in or we're talking to anybody and we're doing experiential mm-hmm. learning of any kind, we're opening ourselves up to dealing with whatever yes. comes our way. So we have to practice the acceptance yes. piece as well. We're not going in there and delivering a, a prepared presentation. No. We're going in there just being authentic and presenting a program. So I'm always very careful about what questions I right. ask. So I might say, 
what about your job is difficult for you to accept? Or what about your day? Or what about your process is difficult to yeah. accept? And then I leave it for them to come up with a response. I, some Somebody might say, I have a difficulty with my supervisor. It depends on the group that you're with. Um, because nobody really wants to call their supervisor out no, in front of a group. No. So it just depends on the level. If I'm doing group dynamics and they're having some issues, then I would interview them separately and that might come up because it's yeah. confidential. Um, but there's always a workaround. And it, it, to me, it really goes on the facilitation skills and the questions that I ask. And then making, making a, a decision in the moment whether or not the group want to continue down that path or whether we want to table that and then move in a different direction. So I'll go back to this. Like I always start, no matter what program I'm doing, it always comes with how can I be present? Because whether it's change management, whether it's communication, leadership, time management, any professional development course, I'm always going to be more effective if I'm fully present. So we always mm -hmm. go there. And then I will ask about what gets in your way. And I give them kind of a sheet so that they can write down what gets in their way of being right. present, what belief mm -hmm. system, what assumptions, presumptions. And they don't have to right. share it, but it's just for them right. to so know. They're actually putting it down on paper. So it's kind of coming out of their head and down in it with kind of a physical form, so to speak, to be acknowledged. Right. And then I allow, I allow time for them to voice that if that's what they choose to do um, and because then it's a matter of how do I get past this and so again we're back to accept commit take action because all that's internal yeah. so you know we live from an inside out perspective like how we communicate and live on the inside is how we show up on the outside and the only person who can manage our internal world is yeah. ourselves I totally agree and, and hearing it said with that level of clarity is, is wonderful Okay, I'm just going to dip back a little bit then, because you, you found improv. At what point did you turn from performer into tutor and trainer? At what point did you take these skills and go, okay, I, I want to put these into more practice? As I was doing the conservatory program at the Second City, I was also leading a team in corporate America. And I started to see a lot of effectiveness of the yes and the collaboration the being present and really it helped me because like I shared it was a nightmare for me at first you know to get out of my own head and to see how that really influenced how I then showed up in the rest of my world the more I became self-aware of my my internal voice because I really wasn't that aware until I was put on the spot in the improv were you on a personal journey at that point yes mm-hmm and it blew me away that, oh, my gosh, when I can really practice some of these principles and apply them in these areas of my life, you know, the, the yes and, the showing up and participating, yeah. the letting yeah. go, all of those things. So I started to use it with mm -hmm. my team. And I always had an element of training and development in my role because, I you know, I managed a national team. And started to integrate some of these principles. And then I thought I saw the success. And when I moved down to Florida, I was on a personal journey because I'm, you know, I, I was very, um, let's just say I struggled with anxiety. And I developed an anxiety disorder, which then led to disordered eating and, you know, stuff like that. So 
I was really on a personal journey and I started to hear certain things when I was going to group sessions and all of the language they were using, it was very similar to improv. And when I started to really apply and be reconnected with my improv, then I started to develop my own programs because I realized no matter where I show up, no matter what I'm doing in life or who I'm being, what role I'm being, I have to manage my internal yes. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the more the more effectively I manage my internal mm-hmm. world, the more successful I'm going to be in my relationships, no matter in what area of my life. So I became very passionate about that, and that's kind of how I really delved into what yeah, I do now. I mean, it's it's great to hear what you're saying. It's can totally appreciate parallels. Um, I, I dipped into your bio. You went and did Tony Robbins' date with destiny. Yeah, uh, I did. I, when I lived in the northeast, I very briefly worked with a guy who was a hypnotist. He ended up giving me his collection of Tony Robbins personal power tapes, and and I listened uh-huh. to all of them. In amongst the way he talks, there was a lot of value to actually be had, and that was the thing that got me off my arse and got me moved to Manchester, where my life improved dramatically. So it's you know I understand there's there's various you know there's certain people who think this kind of some of this life coaching Tony Robbins NLP type stuff can be brainwashing or is witchcraft, but there's two schools of thought. It's very empowering stuff if you're open to it. I just want to know kind of what your experience is from going, because they, they're quite pricey events, aren't they, the Date with Destiny? How was that experience for you? It was it was a really great experience. I mean, the man is, his energy is very dynamic. And I always joke, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I'm going to say it because every time I think of Tony Robbins, I think of, he's probably got the sexiest voice I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, from all of his speaking, I think he has an issue with yeah. his throat yeah. or whatever. Um, I went to the first one. He had the uh, the UPW, Unleash the yes. Power Within. And it's very good. And, you know, but I didn't do anything afterward. And then I went to date with Destiny, and I was in a different place. And, you know, between the two of them, and you're right, a lot of people have different opinions, and I have my opinion on it too. Some of it I love and some of it I... You know, I'm kind of a person that takes yes. what I need and I leave yeah. the rest. So I take what resonates yeah. with me. And a lot of what he does is, you know, he, and the the exercises that you do is really looking at yourself talk. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah know? totally. And from that element of it and your belief system, and from that perspective, it's it's amazing. And I I use a lot of his stuff because it correlates with a lot of other things that I've studied. Some some of the therapies, modern therapies, they're all about staying in the moment and your story. And, you know, your story is your internal yes. world. Yeah, the story that you tell yourself. And we all have that. That's Yeah, we every single person on this planet has that. So, again, the more we learn to manage it and understand it. But here was what's key, I think, mm-hmm. for me. And I say this to everybody that I work with. Self-awareness is a wonderful thing. And that's what I got a lot of with Tony Robbins and the belief system. So for the UPW, I got a lot of self-awareness. The key is though, self-awareness is overrated if you don't follow it up with action. (laughs) So that's where the acronym for me is ACT, accept, commit, take action. Yeah, absolutely. 
if I don't take action in, in, in sharpening my ability to manage my internal world, I'm going to be left stuck yeah, in the same yeah. place. Yeah, I I, to- I totally agree, you know, and I can I can stand here doing this interview with you for a podcast I've been doing for the last six months, where I sat on my hands for a year going, oh, I might quite like to do a podcast, and actually didn't do anything about it, and then just said, J- just do it, just, you know, and, and I think you're right, it is that you've got to follow this stuff up with action. You know, what you, when you're with your clients, I'm just going to change the subject a little bit, what kind of clients then do you work with? Is it quite, uh, quite an, is there certain industries that you specialise in, is it quite eclectic? Yes, very eclectic. It it truly is. And, you know, I do a lot of work with individuals who are challenged with addiction, eating disorders, and then their family also, because it impacts the entire family. And then, you know, so a lot of times I will see them over a period of time. Then I also, you know, go in, I do my trainings and corporations, whatever, and I do a lot of, so really I consider myself a coach, I guess, is the the best way to describe what I do. So I will coach people from where they are to where they Mm want to be. And so a lot of my clients are also people who are in business. Some people are in sales, so they want to be able to improve their sales ability and you know, do a sales plan and coach them. So other people then are wanting to enhance their ability to manage yeah. their team. Yeah. So I have everything from people who are in addiction to people who are not in addiction but struggle a little bit with anxiety. When you're working, obviously you're working in corporate and then you're working with, with families and that that is a very different dynamic. I, I mm-hmm. assume it might not be, actually. Because if you've got a company where you're working with them, there's kind of a hierarchy of the people that are within it, and to some degree, they're not going to want to, as as you as you were saying earlier on, they don't necessarily want to upset anyone by saying what they're saying. Whereas if you're working with a family and you're working with an individual, and the family within that, I'm guessing there's some pretty strong voices there about what should be done and how it should be dealt with potentially, where yes. you have to manage not just one person with someone who has something that needs addressing but the people around that and what their opinions are yeah um absolutely i mean from in my scope so to speak like i'm not a psychotherapist so i'm not going to go and do psychotherapy because that's out of my scope um ethically that wouldn't be right but when i'm doing family it's because I am an addiction counselor, so I, you know, I can coach families from that yeah. perspective. Really, what it all boils down to with the family is their ability to communicate, right? About how things have impacted them, how things are impacting them, and if they're willing to come together to make some changes, or you know, that that kind of thing. And in organizations too, as teams, because I look at a family like a team. You have the different personalities, yeah. you have the different personality styles, you have the different personalities, internal story. <laughs> and so it's very similar because they're both yeah. systems and they're systems that contain people. The difference is the depth of where you will go yes. with one because of the willingness versus the depth in a, you know, in an organization. And it depends because I've had some teams that have gotten particularly um, emotional in their interactions and I've got some families who get emotional in their yeah. interactions and some that because of their emotional 
barriers don't talk at all in families. So it is very different because it tends to be more emotional because they're freer to do yeah. that sometimes. Um, but there are also a lot of similarities. So I'm not, I would never say there are no differences. No. Um, but there are more similarities, I think, that, than people yeah, would imagine okay. because at, at its core, there are people, we have systems of communication and yeah, relationship. Yeah. And do you have a particular set of guidelines? Are you quite bold in your approach? Or is there a certain... Yes, you, do I you, guess. Yeah, you get quite bold in terms of when you feel the need to nudge someone over to the other side of the river to want to, to want a better metaphor, yes. so to speak. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. we're not going to get there unless we actually go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, right. And what I'll do is I'll invite them. I always invite people, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, I'm really sensing blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm going to invite you. Do you want to take this a step forward? And, and especially in corporate, and they're usually in follow-up sessions or something that HR has yeah. kind of inquired about, yeah. you know. Um, but I always invite people. I never yeah, push so- them. I will invite them to take a risk. You know, you have to be really careful in doing that, of course, and that is part of my training is the emotional component of it. And But when you think about it, it's about, I always set it up with, let's co-create mm-hmm. this session. So that's always what I say. I'm just facilitating. See, that's what I'm doing is I'm facilitating yeah, a session. Yeah. And I invite them to co-create this with me, and that means that we're all responsible for the outcome. Right. So it's very, when you think about it in uh, improv terms, like this is the thing in an improv troupe, we're all responsible for the outcome of the scene. So I'm really applying my improv skills and and helping them see that this session is going to be everybody's responsibility and we're going to show up and participate. We're going to abstain from judgment as much Mm -hmm. as possible. Mm -hmm. We're going to... Um, take some risks and see where yeah. it goes yeah. in an effort to move the family or move the team forward. So it's very similar yeah. to what we would do in an improv yeah. trip. Yeah. I mean, even something so simple as, I mean, I, I, I absolutely, you know, when I'm with my improv guys, it's like permission to be silly, you know, at the lightest level, it's kind of permission to, right. to have fun. But I mean, it, 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 some of this stuff that you're talking about make, makes me think back to my early days as, as a stand-up comic and the kind of the kind of magnet for unusual characters that the comedy circuit is where there, there was just I, I distinctly remember a point in in a room above a pub where there's a bunch of us sitting around and and one one of these guys just says oh I'm a comedian and and as if that handle gave him permission to just be himself in a way that society mm-hmm. might not necessarily have let him had he not just said I'm a comedian as if like that's an acceptable to, right. to put on himself and it's kind of like that it's a tangent but it's just that kind of way of permission because sometimes people maybe just they want permission from somebody else to be able to express themselves in a certain way um, yeah right sorry that's a bit of a tangent but it's good no that's that's that makes perfect sense into what we're talking about and the other thing is that um there's always, no matter what the session is, there's always yes. humor. Always, always, always. I'm a big believer in humor. I'm not a stand-up comic or anything like that. However, humor is very important. And that's where using the techniques and some of the warm-up games from improv can bring yes. humor into everything. Whether it's a family session or not, we always end up laughing yeah. at something. 
yeah, it's, and I'm not going to be so trite as to say tragedy and comedy are both sides of the same coin, but when you're in that emotional place, it, it is, you know, it's going to trigger those kind of those things, I, I would I would guess. Are, are there any kind of hot topics at the minute within within the work that you do? Any kind of, like, studies or research going on that, that have piqued your interest? Yeah, there's a lot of studies on around anxiety. And anxiety in the mm-hmm. workplace is... There's really a lot of research going on there because of the amount of stress. Now, I call it anxiety because that's what they yeah. call it yeah. here. <laughs> Other people might call yeah. it stress. Other people might call it nervousness. And, you know, everybody has the potential to feel every emotion because we're all yes. human. And some of us have more stress. Some of us have less stress. Some of us, you know, it's it's on a spectrum. However, there's a lot of research been done on on how people can learn to manage their emotions in general, in particular, you know, the stressful and the negative emotions that kind of impact how we relate in the world. And a lot of things around mindfulness and managing your story, I just call it story, but managing that component of you that drives our behavior because our thoughts influence our emotions and then of course our emotions influence our yes. behavior yes so this all this research has been going on for years even in the therapeutic world the last i would say at least the last two more modern therapeutic approaches are based in mindfulness yeah. I, I was just i was just going to digress and just talk about how popular yoga has become in the last few years or whether you know as, mm-hmm. if that's, as if that's a similar kind of thing I imagine there's this big Venn diagram and you've got improv at one end and you've got the kind of work that you're doing at the other and in the middle you've just got a lot of shared experiences. Absolutely and I yeah you know I actually used that one set of presentation for clinicians. This is the apply this is the, these are the improv and this is the population that you work with and these are the tools that yeah. we're working with and look where they yes. overlap. I mean you cannot do improv if you don't show up and be present no. in the moment. Yeah. yeah, And that's really what mindfulness is. How can I be fully present in the here and now, without judgment, all of those things. Um, and, and that's what mindfulness is all about. And the more we develop that skill, that doesn't mean that we can go around being fully present 100%. Our minds are not wired yeah. that way. But the more we strengthen that, the more we develop the agility to be able to come back to our mm-hmm. focus. Yeah. You know, because our mind is going to wander and mindfulness helps us come back to the moment quicker. That's really what it's about. It's developing that agility yes. muscle. And the one thing I wanted to mention about yoga, mindfulness is, at least to me, being fully present in the mm-hmm. here and now. Yoga is a tool, just like prayer is for other people or walking is for other people. Yoga is a tool to help us achieve that state of mindfulness. Yes. Yeah, that that's that was the clarity that I was looking for earlier on when I just went off a tangent. You were answering the question, and I just threw the word yoga in the conversation. That is that is the connection that I was looking for with a lot more clarity. Thank you. Well, that. that's what we do in improv, <laughs> right? We build on each other. So there yeah, you are, cool. um, Mary. I, I'm going to kind of slowly wrap wrap this up. Um, you you're obviously really passionate about this kind of stuff. Um, and oh, I what, love what, it. What, yes. What are your kind of takeaways from the from from this? What do you get out of it? There's a saying that we teach what we need to learn most. Right. And I really believe that to be true 
in my case, I coach on mindfulness. I do all of those things. I coach on managing emotions. I coach on communication and all of the things I need also and things that don't come to me naturally. I've had to work really hard at them. So now I don't have to work as hard because I get the opportunity to practice and have fun. So when I change it from work to having fun, so I certainly continue to grow from every single person that I interact with. Yeah, I help them grow and they for sure help me grow. And then I also get a sense of fulfillment because I am passionate, especially because of where I've come from mm-hmm. myself. I really am passionate to, to help people be the best yes. they can be and get the most out of their life and enjoy what they're getting out of their life. And for many, many years I didn't. And so I want to be able to, you know, motivate people and empower people to to get as much as they can out of every day and every interaction. That's that's a really nice quote. I've not heard that quote, and that's a really that's yeah. What what are you working on at the minute? How can people find you? And people can find me at marytcurtis.com. Yeah. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also I'm just about to to dabble in Twitter and all that okay. stuff. I just finished, believe it or not, a recovery coaching weekend, which was fascinating yeah. for me because there are many people, especially where I'm situated, many people in recovery. We've got a lot of addiction, substance abuse, treatment centers in this particular area and such a huge epidemic right now that calls for professionals from every avenue to try and and really help manage this epidemic and a lot of people who are in recovery themselves have wanted to learn how to coach other people not to be a therapist but how to coach them through early recovery and i just had a workshop all weekend of coaching individuals and it was amazing to have a room full of passionate people learn the kind of core skill set to coach people and that was new for me. Uh, so I'm delving down that path of providing more tools for them to, again, be the best they can be to help other people. And that's that's new. And then I'm also, of course, continuing on my I've got a train the trainer coming up. So really, I'm very fortunate to go into different avenues and different populations and and really see the full spectrum of where individuals can be in any yeah, given I'm day sure florida is the kind of place where you would see the full spectrum of of people and personalities i'm sure it's a very colorful place to be working in yeah and you know here's here's what's really funny people have always told me and my my undergrad was in marketing so as a marketing coach it's always find your niche find yes. your this find, find your, your that and i always always get stuck in which population should I focus on? Should I focus on the substance abuse, mental health? Should I focus on the corporate? And what I've chosen to focus on is I'm just focusing on the mindset, how people can be the best they can be regardless of whatever population they're in. And I don't know if that's going to work from a business model perspective, but it's certainly working for keeping me energized and motivated and fulfilled. So that's that's food that's food uh, for thought because I think creative people naturally want to work in a in a diverse range of places. And here's the thing: I used to get stuck, and I still do some days on the which the you know the what population, and I'm just I'm just accepting myself. I guess is the thing. I'm I'm yes, ending myself. Yes, this is who I am. I cannot make a decision on which population if my life depended on it. <laughs> I've tried, and I and I can't. I keep going back and forth. 
and I keep getting called back to both. And the bottom line is I influence people in a positive way, not even influence because that kind of sounds um, manipulative in some way, but I motivate and empower people no matter which population it is. And that makes me happy. And I get feedback that's consistent in both populations. So I'm going to accept who I am and I'm going to keep going wherever I'm asked and we'll see what happens. <laughs> so I'm yes ending. I'm, I'm so I'm so pleased we could have this second interview and, and get it right second time. That was wonderful. Mary, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and the work that you do. Uh, everything we've talked about will be made on the on the show notes on the page for the podcast that you can follow. So thanks again for coming on the show, Mary. You're very welcome, John. Thanks a million for having me. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher or the Facebook page. The website, bringabrinkpodcast.com, has detailed show notes for all the guests with links to them and their work. If you want to contact me, John Cooper, get in touch and I'll do my best to answer your questions or point you in the right direction. There is a Patreon page where you can help fund the production of the show. If you're enjoying what you're listening to and want to become a Patreon, please click on the link on the website homepage. Contributions go towards website hosting, the time it takes to produce the show, it takes ages, and allows me to work on new content that's hopefully valuable, entertaining and informative. Contributions are based on every new episode released. Personally, I believe that good production values are key to getting more exposure, so everything is greatly received. Just think of it like you're buying me a coffee. And I'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>